Welcome to the CoinGam Podcast. I'm your host, Fritz Charles. On this podcast, we attack the crypto asset and blockchain space from all angles, from the underlying technology to the economic impact. Every single episode, we try to look at the blockchain space from a new lens, and this episode was no different. But before we start this episode, I wanted to share a bit about our advisory services. We've built a huge network of blockchain professionals who can help you out with your projects. Whether you want to launch an ICO or you're just looking to do some deeper research, we can put you in the right place. We have advisors, blockchain developers, and legal professionals. If you need help, just visit us at coingamma.com. Now, let's start the episode. Hello everyone, welcome to the Coin Gamer Podcast. Today we are happy to have an illustrious guest. We have Tyrone Ross of Noble Bridge Wealth on the podcast today. Tyrone is a very dynamic individual. He brings more than a decade of experience in the financial services industry. He's worked with institutional clients, corporate clients, and retail. He provides financial goals based on personalized client experience. He also has experience advising clients on emerging technologies like blockchain, AI, and crypto assets, hence why we have him on the podcast today. He's also worked at large firms like Morgan Stanley and Merrill Lynch, but that's not all he's done. He's a decorated athlete. Prior to getting into finance, he ran track at Seton Hall. He got a bachelor's degree in communications from there. He got to the point where he's even a 2004 Olympic trials qualifier. Please expand on some of the background that I might have missed. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for having me. I, I always want to say this when I, you know, when I'm blessed enough to be included on somebody's platform that I'm grateful for you extending it to me. Um, as we were talking about beforehand, I know you have some really smart people on here. So to just to, to follow behind those people really means a lot to me. And again, as we discussed, being a traditional financial advisor who embraced crypto assets. Um, I think I have a fairly unique perspective and I'm grateful for the opportunity to share it. I guess just going back to, you know, uh, the beginning, I started out um, on Wall Street uh, at the behest of a, a graduate professor okay. who was like, you know, you should work on Wall Street. And I'm like, I really don't know what Wall Street is. I know right. it was a lot of hard work and long hours. I had no interest. And um I started out at, a, at an investor relations firm called Financial Dynamics. Okay. And at that point, it was just, it, I started to realize that I would, you know, now looking back in hindsight, I would have mentors who kind of put, you know, aligned me um, to, to end up where I am now. So I had a mentor there who worked at Lehman Brothers. Okay. Um, and he kind of saw something in me. He was like, you're not the type to sit in front of computers all day and, and, you know, do all this stuff. I was like, yes, right. <laughs> I like, I like to be amongst the people. I, and course. at that time I, I really wasn't embracing technology and numbers like that. And you know, what's funny. And, and I, and, and I think about this now, the, the group that I was part of was the, it was called the tech and telecom group. And I knew nothing about uh, either of those. Yeah. TNT. Yeah, TNT yeah. yeah. So I knew nothing about those. And it's still so funny how things come full circle. Sure. But I but I did I did start to learn a lot about the street there and sell side and buy side. And, and you know, I was using Capital IQ and Big Doe and Bloomberg of and all course. these other things. So, yeah, you, you know, all that stuff. So just getting familiar with that. And um, 
you know, doing complicated Excel spreadsheets, and I'm glad I hopefully never have to do it again. But, right, right. Um, so, yeah, so from there, I ended up going to, I left there, um, again, at, at the behest of that advisor. He was like, try and get licensed on the retail side. I'm like, what does that mean? So he mentioned getting a Series 7 and that whole thing. Okay. I ended up at a small firm, you know, eventually got licensed as a, a, a stockbroker, Series 7, Series 63. Right, so right. Just to, yeah, so just to get right to the point. So from there, I realized, okay, well, if I'm really going to do this Wall Street thing, I need to end up at a Goldman, a J.P. Morgan, a Morgan Stanley, whatever. Of course. And, um, you know, kind of went through my different travails and tribulations trying to get there. Um, and... Again, there I picked up the skill set to cold call and sell. So I was like, I, I thought I thought it was a completely useless thing while I was there, but once I got to the bigger wirehouse firms, it was the it was what kept me afloat because I didn't come from money, I didn't go to an Ivy League. Right. But if you put me on the phone, I could get meetings and I could get people with money to talk to me. So for sure, um, for sure. Went to went to Morgan Stanley, and like I said, as I as I mentioned um, in a previous podcast that we discussed, that I was there. I told the branch manager, I'm like, look, I'm training for the Olympics, and I also want to work here. And he looked at me like, what? You know? <laughs> um, and was there briefly. Um, you know, uh, got resolved of my duties because I couldn't hit the goals and and sure. you know the penalty boxes that they had because I was just doing so much. Long story short, ended up at, at Merrill Lynch where I was there the last five years, met my current mentor who literally taught me how to be an advisor, how to grow a book of business, how to run a business. Um, and I started at Merrill in 2012. 2015 is when I had a friend of mine who was a Ruby developer. Okay. Um, mentioned Bitcoin to me and I laughed him off the phone. Of I'm like, man, if you don't stop, right? Yeah. And I think, you know, what's funny about this space is we all have that story. Like everyone has two stories, one when you first heard about it and then the other ones where you actually got in, right? Of course, of course. So, so if I would have listened to him and I actually did, but so yeah, that was right around 2015 or so, late okay. 2015, early 2016. And I'm like, man, this is phony. Right. So, and again, I'm coming from a traditional finance background. No, 100%. I have a, I have a, you know, obviously I have a similar background where I come from Lean Brothers and Barclays. Um, and so it's like, uh, if you have a, you've come from a traditional finance background, you understand, you know, you, you used to new securities having IPOs and roadshows mm -hmm. and research. Mm -hmm. And then somebody, and then, you know, foreign exchange, you, you know, when you think about crypt, uh, currencies, you're thinking about things that have GDPs behind them, right? Yep, and so yep. for somebody to come at you and say, hey, there's this digital thing that's unregulated on the internet and it's right. the next best thing. Like, right. you know, you sitting at Morgan Stanley, isn't, it's, it'll take a lot for you to kind of believe that. So I, right. I, I can sympathize. Yeah. So that that was kind of it. And, and like you said, right, no earnings, no whatever. Like, what? how am I supposed to believe it? And especially, right, as, as I, I just said this at a, an event that I was at, it's, it's the two things that probably the majority of people don't understand. Money and technology. You put those two together, you're basically cutting 90% of the people out because people aren't really you know, uh, that well versed on technology to begin with. And nobody understands money. Right? Right, right. I, I do it every day for a living. <laughs> nobody understands money. They may be really good at dribbling a basketball. doesn't mean they understand money. Right. So um, trying to get trying to get people to understand that now. And then the, the tech side is is obviously something that I've you know, that I've, I've tried to do. But at that point, um, 
I was at I was at Merrill and I'm just I'm talking about this in the advisor meetings and they're like, you know, and then also to compound the effect, I'm also getting into the startup world. Of course. So I was I was starting to advise early stage startups. So now as I'm in these startup ecosystems, everyone's talking about it as well. I'm like, all right, there's something here. So it didn't click for me until my friend, he called me back. He kept badgering me. He goes. I'm going to add you to this Facebook group chat. Now, in this group chat, Ruby developers, CS, you know, computer scientists, sure. all type, cryptographers. I don't know what they're saying. Yeah, because you, you, don't, you don't want to touch an Excel sheet, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I don't care. Like, I just, there's not, it's just geeky stuff. It's not, but, but the funny thing is you saw at that point where now if you look at it, you know, call it what you want, nerds, geeks, creatives are ruling the world, right? Of course. Um, and, and they're dominating. So... It, it was it was almost as and and at that point I was still kind of wearing like that you know it was like almost like high school it was like the jocks versus the nerds that whole thing I'm like man I don't understand any of this but what I did realize is I'm looking in there I'm like they are giving each other some really bad investment advice and they know nothing about money right and they're really smart PhDs they but they knew nothing about money and they were giving each other really 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 bad investment advice and just a tidbit there that group chat has been quiet since the bubble popped late course, last year. Yeah. Been very quiet, right? So he would tag me in sometimes to kind of add my insight on certain things. But, and, and hopefully I saved a few people. But, so that was one piece. The second thing he said, he goes, download Bread Wallet. And I'm like, what is a Bread Wallet? And I'm right. like, what is all of this stuff you're throwing at me? So he goes, download Bread Wallet and I'm gonna send you Bitcoin. Now, I, I, I never forget the day because I had a really big call coming up and he would not get off the phone. And he's like, just do it, just do it. So I download it and he sends me Bitcoin and it changed my life because I'm like, wait a second, I got it in like, I don't know, whatever, what, 10 seconds, 17 seconds. Like right. I saw it show up. And again, if you're in traditional finance, one of the things that completely aggravate us to no end is how long it takes money to settle. Oh, the wire, right? man. T plus three. Yeah. T, T plus, plus three. three. Oh my yeah. goodness. So it's like, I immediately was like, whoa, wait, hold on a second, right? I need to I need to figure this out. And then I read the white paper. And, and this is what I always tell people is the white paper, even the Satoshi white paper, even if you you aren't super, super technical, the first paragraph or two of that you can completely get like there's something in there you can pull out and be like, oh, OK. And I always refer back to it when everyone's talking all this. Everyone on Twitter wants to be the smartest person talking about nodes and sharding and the open protocols and all these other things. What did he say? Electronic peer-to-peer cash system. For something, for somebody like me, that's what stuck out. Of course. And this is what I always say. If this whole thing goes to zero, everything, crypto is a complete joke. It's a hoax. The devil created it. Everything goes to zero. <laughs> the one thing, and I'm not saying that will, but if it does, the one thing that it absolutely did was it, it forced change of our current financial system it just did it, it if you look at the conversations that are being had now the the accredited investor rules are being looked at sure. right if, if you look at our payment rails right square uh venmo all these other things right uh r3 all those different things the banks are doing now they're forced to move forward because the last great innovation from banks was the atm Right. ATM ATM just had its 50 year anniversary. Right, like that's right. and you, know, you can look that up. There's really been no innovation with banks since then, except you know with the innovation of fintech the last 
I don't know, five to seven years where they started to do things. So that's how I looked at it. I'm like, all right, this is just going to completely revolutionize the financial system, period. 100%. Right? And then you add in what happened in 2007, right? So 2007 was the invention of the iPhone, right? The Satoshi paper, the white paper comes, the Bitcoin white paper comes, what, you know, 08, 09, somewhere right. in 2009, right? So that those confluence of events completely changed the my business and financial services forever, forever, when you put those two together. So, and, and you got to look at it this way. You want to talk about a, a, a perfect sequence of events. If the iPhone was never around, if it was never invented, and it was just the white paper, and it was just crypto, think about how different it would be if it would even have the success that it's had thus far, if it was just straight web-based, and everyone had to go and log on. And it's, so it made it mo so much more accessible that the iPhone with apps and all of these, you know, all these other things, and you know all the techie words of more course. than I do, but they made that available for people to do it straight from their phone, sure. right? So again, just looking at all that, I'm like, this is something really powerful here. And I started to push in that direction, and, and my mentor was like, you got to get out of here because you're the black sheep, right? Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. like, you, you just, if that's what you want to do, if you want to, and I, I was also going after younger clients, mm -hmm. I was, you know, going into startup space and I'm like, all right, I got to break away here because I really believe in this. Right. I, and I yeah. started to study it and I started to read everything I could get my hands on. And I started to embrace the technical side and I started to embrace reading and learning and everything that I could. And I'm like, yeah, this, this is it. And I kind of doubled down and I met my current partner now. And I'm like, I, I know there's risk around, you know, advisors wanting to give advice around this space and holding themselves out as a crypto assets advisor or whatever. But I'm like, I'm not shilling coins. I'm not pumping anything. I'm not yeah. doing all of that. I'm trying to save people, right? And someone who have a fiduciary responsibility that we do, you, someone has to take the leap to save people, right? 100%. You, you'll never go to my Twitter page and hear me talk about you know, the price of where Bitcoin is going or where Ether is going. I could care less. It doesn't no. matter to me. I want I want the, my clients to understand the technology, to understand where I think it's going long term, and we invest accordingly. Those that trade, God bless them. But I I, I don't do that because again, I, I use the example of last year. I was doing Facebook lives almost every day to talk people off of the ledge. It was yeah. getting ridiculous. And yeah, you know, I'm sure you yeah, know. Yeah, right? I, had, I had people hit me up, you know, saying like, oh, you know, I haven't really got my retirement right. Well, you know, uh, and all that kind of stuff. But I think I need to, um, you know, take out a loan and buy some Bitcoin for my retirement. Man. And this is a this is an individual that had more of a blue collar job, and it was like, nah, no, 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 no. Yeah, right, right, right. And so, no, I think I think what you're saying is also I think it's, it's very, very important for people like you to be in the space to kind of tell people like, yeah, optimistically, this is this is the future. But that doesn't mean put all your money into it, right? Right. And right. Um, don't buy everything, and 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 you know, kind of, you know, look, do things in in a balanced format. And so, yeah. Obviously, last year, most people were getting their financial advice from dudes on YouTube and standing oh. in front of Lambo, Lambo, saying like, "Get this new coin." One hundred percent. Let this get this. You know, look at this Lamborghini. Nobody knew anything about diversification, hedging. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, dollar cost averaging, things of that sort. Mm -hmm. So it's mm -hmm. so powerful mm -hmm. that um, you know, you kind of took the to pivot into that space. So I guess 
as a financial advisor, what do you, you know, what kind of advice are you giving people? Like what, what percentage are you telling people to get into? Like how you. Great question. So, so what I do is I have, I have a process. So the first process is when people reach out to me and say they have an interest, I want to gauge that interest. So I have some um, links that I send them, right? I said for one like that Jameson Lot piece with all of the Bitcoin links and resources and podcast. I send them that. And I'm like, look through this and read some of this stuff and get back to me. And I'll send them some stuff on Ether. And, and, I, and I see what type of questions they come back with, if any at all. Okay. And I hope what I what I usually hope for is skepticism, okay. right? Because I think I think that's healthy, and then we can have a dialogue around it. Then once we have a dialogue around it, and they say, okay, well, this is something that I want to do. The next step is how old are they? Okay. How how liquid are they? Right. Um, what is their time horizon? Are they currently invested? Sure. Right. If so, in what? Right. Um, you know. Is 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 this going to be, you know, money that there, you know, is there a goal attached to the money, essentially, right? To make to, just to keep it simple, right? So all of these things, and goal, a just, goal, a goal being retirement or yeah, or retirement, buying a home or something like that. Yeah, I want to buy a home or I, my college, you know, college savings for my kids or whatever. Those yeah. are red flags, by the way. But, sure. you know, you, but, but again, I just let people have the conversation. I don't jump down their throat. I just give them a healthy conversation. Then, we, then once that's clear, most times it is clients, then we have a discussion around, okay, well, here's what we think, right? Because I, I have to look at their whole financial life. How are you invested in your 401k? How are you invested in your accounts with me? How are you invested with your accounts away from me? And then we got to look at that. How much of that is, what percentage of that is risky assets? Does this person do private equity? Do they do hedge funds? Do they invest in early stage startups? There's a lot to consider before right. I would even tell anyone anything like that. So once we have that conversation, then it's okay. Well, now looking at the portfolio, again, I never suggest anywhere more than one to, I mean, maybe 3% on the high end right now. Okay. Maybe. Um, and but we got to look at everything before I do that. Of course. Um, and then once we do that, then the next conversation, of course, is, you know, where, right? You can't send people to Binance if they have no idea what's going on. Of course. But thankfully, now there are, you know, your Abras of the world, your Squares, your Robin Hoods, your Coinbase, Coinbase right? Yeah. All these different things. However you feel about them, whatever, right? Centralized, decentralized. That's a, that's another argument in podcast. Right. Um, that I love that I that I love to get into as well, but I think centralization at some point is just going to be needed if quote unquote mass adoption is going to happen. It just is. Yeah, it's inevitable. Um, inevitable. Yeah, it is. I mean, and, and listen, Coinbase is essentially the Goldman Sachs or the bank, the crypto bank of the future. Just people just got to deal with it. And as you, I saw you, you know, I, I see you talk about is you know that fiat on ramp is important, right? That dollar on ramp is important for Super. people to be able to turn their dollars into crypto. That's huge. That was a game changer. Just be mad if you want, but that's like that's literally what it is, right? And and think about it. We still quote everything in dollars anyway, as much as the libertarian, you know, uh, cypherpunks and folks want to get away from that. Like, so we still have a long way to go here. And that's what I tell people. It's it. Anyone that comes to me, if you're looking to trade or do anything like that, I turn them away. Sure. I have no interest in it. I don't even do that with stocks. So I'm not. I'm definitely not going to do it with crypto. Definitely right. Not. I believe I believe in looking at really good, sound ideas If people want to call them investments. Maybe not. I do. I think they are viable as it's a viable asset class. 
and it's going to continue to grow. And then we talk about Bitcoin, we talk about Ether. I really don't go beyond that for people who are truly, truly beginners because I look at Bitcoin and Ether as the, let's just call them the blue chip, right? The blue chip, of course. Um, right? The Lindy effect with Bitcoin has been around the longest, so it's been around almost 10 years. And so we could assume it'll be around 10 more, um, you know, if the, if that's what it you know looks like. And right, you know, Ether is coming up on what, year four, year five, something like that. Right. So. There's some longevity there. Yes, they're highly volatile. They're risky. All of those things. So you make sure that's completely understood. The next conversation is whether that's 1% or half a percent, if these go to zero, it is not going to affect your life at all. So if you log into your Coinbase account and that money is completely gone, you have a good chuckle, you laugh, you tried, and you walk away. That's literally where it is right now. Now, to be very clear, full disclosure, Anything that I suggest to my clients, right, and I always want to be very clear, is well, everything I say on this is not investment advice, but yes, I don't, I don't, I don't put my clients or have my clients in anything that I'm not involved in personally. Okay, right? I, so I don't do any ICOs, so I keep them out of the ICOs. Sure. Now I do have interest in other coins. I like the privacy coins. I like your Moneros. Um, you know, Zcash. Zcash I'm, I'm yeah. a fan of. So, by the way, I've, I've. And again, you could probably speak to it in greater detail. Zero knowledge proof, that whole thing and reading on that is fascinating to me. Um, and I spoke about this on another podcast, but it's just fascinating to me is like, just to keep it simple, is like, I know the secret. I can't tell you I know the secret, but I could prove to you I know it. Right, right. And, that, and that's just the coolest thing to me, right? So yeah. it's like, and the thing is, is like, if, you know, it, it, first of all, it's like, it's, it's, it's brilliant, but. You know, if you and it's and it's way more complicated than that, of course. But just thinking about that is is I, I think is why the privacy coins and and why you know once we actually start to to get a little bit more of that in the Bitcoin blockchain is going to be very interesting because um, you know privacy is a key. People want privacy, right? That's going to be really really important. But the scalability and and you know the regulation and all that stuff that has to come later. Um, but anyway, so we sure. have that conversation. We have that conversation and. Once that's done, you know, we kind of walked them through getting set up and everything. And then, again, I also have to gauge it based on their experiences, right? Because I have a client who jumped right in right away after I had a conversation. He he didn't ask me nothing. He just went in right away. Big real estate guy. Does very well for himself. Right. And he made a lot of money, right? A lot of money. But he had the money. He, we, we just had a discussion about crypto. and He just kind of went on his own and did it. And now I've been kind of walking back with him, trying to do things and, and just kind of create a hedge around what he's doing um, in terms of education. So the main thing for me, anybody that comes to me, anybody that talks to me, it's a, it's a, it's a huge education first, not only on the asset class, but also just on investing, period. And I, be, I believe in investing for the long term. Um, I believe in, as we, as you mentioned, right, dollar cost averaging. Like my the, this whole downturn, not one client, not one client has texted me or called me panicked. Wow, well, I was going to that, that was actually my next question because I mean, obviously, you know, December, November of last year, January of this year it was like, you know, you probably had a lot of clients asking you about it, and yep. they, a lot of them that you even told to get into it a little bit earlier was super happy with you, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, we see a, a sharp correction, bear market, depending mm-hmm. on who you ask, however you want to <laughs> yeah. name it. Um, but, yeah, no, I was going to ask you, like, how is it kind of talking about this stuff when the market has kind of came down so much? And you're saying that a lot of your folks are, 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 are cool with it. 
They're cool with yeah, what's yeah, going on. Yeah, so because, again, it's about this is why working with a real investment advisor, fiduciary licensed individual as opposed to a YouTube guru sure. is that they are going to set expectations. So and here's here's the best way I can explain it to anyone. And this is what I always tell people what my value add. My value add to anyone that I work with is not going to be what I help you do. It's what I help you not to do. Yeah. Right. What I stop you from doing. Right. The value is not in, you know, what the market. I can't control the stock market and I can't control the crypto market. But what I can control is what I have you do and not do. So when you see how much money I save you or what I stop you from, that's how I justify my value. Not because, hey, you should buy Litecoin now or you should buy Square. When it's, I, I have no control over that. But what I do have control is how you behave, right? Your behavioral, you know, relationship with money, which is what I also ask people. What is your relationship with money? If you're a gun ho person and you're super risky or whatever, that's why males 18 to 34 own the most crypto. Of course. Right. Testosterone driven. Right. Really risk, you know, risk, you know, wanting to take on risk, you know, for the most part. In other things, right, in terms of what the world deems highly educated, they get it. So they jump in. Right. But my clients, I have to I, I know them personally. I know what they're weak and strong at in terms of investing. So some of them I'm like, walk away. This is not for you. Right. But here's the other piece. When I walk to meet a client in New York City at Viacom and he's 55 years old and he pulls up an article and he says, hey, what's this Bitcoin thing? I'm thinking of buying it for my daughter and myself. If I'm an advisor and I don't know anything about Bitcoin and I don't want to embrace it, how am I a true fiduciary if I can't speak to that? Yeah, yeah. I have to speak to it. I have to address it at that point and say and give my advice. I have to have an and that's the thing. As an advisor, you have to have an opinion on everything. It doesn't but you have, or people don't, I shouldn't have to be right. People don't have to agree or it doesn't have to be right to some people, but you have to have an opinion on it for your client's sake because they're paying you for that advice and guidance. That's right. right? So I feel like I would be doing my clients a disservice when I was at Merrill Lynch and I'm like, no, crypto's dead. It's not a thing. It's going to zero, blah, blah, blah. Like Jamie like, Diamond? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I like, uh, that's, ba- that's bad. Like, that's a bad thing to say. Right? And, and so I think, what I do is just try and layer all of those things and make sure my, my clients are getting the best advice. Again, to, to that point, no one called. If they reached out, they said, do we buy more? Right. Um, you know, what, what, what should I put more in Bitcoin or should I put more in Ether or what? Or what should I, not one panic call, not anything. Now, if the stock market drops 10 percent, my phone will shut off because it'll. <laughs> 20 million people will be calling me. It's so yeah. funny how psychology works. But yeah, yeah. because I wasn't. I really wasn't there when they've made their first investment. For a lot of folks, crypto is their first investment, so you can set expectations. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing. Yeah, given the, you know, you said the age group, you know, eighteen to thirty-five. A lot of people. What I noticed, because like you, you know, you know, I worked in the finance space before. Like, so I net during that time, family members, friends, like I never saw people ask me like, what stock to get in or what have you. Mm -hmm. Like the crypt, this crypto thing, man, it just really like captured. A, a whole entire energy and so mm-hmm. people this is the first thing that people actually invested in and, and a lot of the enthusiasts are more technologists or libertarians or what have you like mm-hmm. so they, they they didn't they, this is the first entry they've had 
into financial markets. Like first yep. exchange they saw was Coinbase or right. like Binance right. or Bittrex. Like not not Fidelity, not Thinkorswim, not mm-hmm. uh, you know, not, not anything that kind of is more sophisticated. So it's pretty interesting. Yep. Yep. Yeah, man. So I guess one thing is, you know, one thing I've seen you tweet about and, and something that you have an opinion on is uh, stable coins. That's one yeah. of the, that's the new wave right now. There's so many mm-hmm. different stable coins right now. There's Basis. The Winklevoss mm-hmm. twins just got a stable coin that was approved. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what 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 are your thoughts around around it? Does it make sense to invest in a stable coin? I mean, for me, when I hear stable coin, it means it's not going to move, right? So why would right. I invest in something that doesn't move? But I guess what what are your, some th- some of your thoughts around that? Right. So let me put on my traditional advisor hat here and then, you know, flip to my crypto snapback. Um, all right. All right. So. So and it's funny, right before we came on, another one just got announced. Uh, Carbon just announced another stable coin. So, again, Tether, Dai, Reserve, Gemini, Paxos. I mean, the list goes on and on. There's a bunch of them. I think most of them will fail, just like everything else. But I am a fan of stable coins for this reason. If you look at. And, and I'll answer your question about investing as well. If you look no at the tradi- traditional advisor hat, one of the things that's really that's that, that it's accessible to clients is like a money market, right? If I pull your money out of the stock market, we want to put your money in something that's stable right. that'll sit there to allow us to re-enter the market. You may not want to go from Bitcoin to Ether right now, but you want to put your money in something stable until then. But you still want to stay in that ecosystem, right? Right. That's why I think it makes sense, right? Is it an investment? No, not really. I don't think there's, but that's, but again, when you talk about investments to people, they really don't talk about money markets or they don't know CDs, right? But sure. they're there. So it's kind of the same thing. A stable coin is just going to, again, right? It's going to be an on ramp. It's going to be, okay, I'm going to put, you know, X amount of dollars into this stable coin. And then I'm all, now I'm on Binance. I'm in the whole ecosystem. Now I can move from, die to whatever I want or reserve to whatever I want and then back to that. Right. And then it'll remain stable, hopefully tether or whatever the case may be. Now, again, there are really smart people working on it. I do think we need one or two. Like I said, we need one of them to survive. And it's great. I know Circle's working on one as well as a UCDC, whatever it is. They're working on one. So a bunch of folks are working on it. I'm a fan of what Reserve is doing. It's, it's algorithmic. It's very complicated. I probably understand 10% of it, okay. but I, I, I like what they're doing. Sure. Um, I'm a fan that they're actually, uh, you know, based here in New Jersey, I believe. So I'm a yeah. fan of that. But yeah, um, yeah. so is ba- so is by the way, in Hoboken. Yeah, oh, that's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So I'm a, I'm a fan of I'm a fan of what they're you know fan of what they're doing, um, and. I, I just look at it for that reason. It'll be similar to a, a, a CD or a money market or something like that. Where, yeah, I, yeah. I, when yeah. I hear you, that's an interesting way to look at it, right? I think what you're saying is it's almost something you, you know, you you may want to hop in the market. You're not sure when. You want to kind of take your money yep. out and kind of mm-hmm. just sit on the sidelines, but you don't want to put your money all the way into your into just cash that's going to sit there. Like, for instance, mm-hmm. I have a Fidelity account that I could trade stocks from. But I have my Bank of America personal account. Like, do I take just because I'm not sure if I want to put my money in the equity market? Do I take my money out of the equity, e- equity, and then have it in cash and then transfer it to my personal account? Exactly. Or do I just exactly. let it sit in fidelity? Yep. And so I guess what you're saying is like to let your money sit on the crypto exchange. This would be a tool to do it. You could let it yep. sit yep. in a stable coin. 
Absolutely. Um, it's, it, yeah. Instead of that moving around and in the fees and this, that, whatever. And, you know, um, I, so I think that that's initially what drew me to it. And as I, and I've, I've re I'm a re when I saw it, I was like, okay, this is good. And I really went down the rabbit hole and I'm, I got told myself, I'm gonna stop using that, that term. No, that's all right. I really, I really, I really started to study and read it a lot. Cause I'm like, this is fascinating to me. And I read up on them all. I listened to some podcasts and I'm like, all right, they could get one of these to work. That would make a lot of sense. It almost, you know, you could almost start to position it to folks in the traditional markets as a money market. And to that point, I want to be very clear here. I think that's one of the things that's missing. And we spoke about this at the beginning of the call. Everyone wants to be the smartest person in the space right now. I get it. But what we just need to, it's so, so early and it's so, so techy and it's so, so clunky and janky right now. We need to make it simple for people to understand. Instead of saying stable coin, maybe you say money market. Then it's like, oh, they get okay, it. I get it, right? Or, you know, similar to a CD. Oh, okay, I know what a CD is, right? So, you know, if we just start changing the terms, but even cryptocurrency to me kind of gets me a little, eh, right? We've, we're past that, right? It's an asset. So yeah. crypto assets, right? right? These are all assets. So I think as you do that, one, it starts to become, it's, it's familiar lingo to people and then more importantly you get the traditionalist to say ah okay right the marketing and branding as i as i tweeted right crypto is missing its steve jobs right now somebody's gonna have to come along and make this very simple from a ux standpoint from a marketing and branding standpoint so people just feel like i'm using it and i don't even know what a blockchain is or i don't even know what a you know what what uh what a a node is or what mining is or all of these different things so Long way to go, but I think once we do that, and that's what I try and do when I speak about it, um, is just keep it simple for people so that they understand, but more importantly, that they see my vision of where I think this could be longer term. No, no, I, I, I hear you, I hear you. So I guess one thing you said earlier is that you kind of take, you, you, don't invite, you don't let people get into ICO, or you don't give them advice to do that. Right. Um, you kind of have them kind of focus on the majors, which is mm -hmm. um, mainly Ethereum and Bitcoin. But mm -hmm. obviously, there's other. You like privacy coins. You like other things, mm -hmm. right? So at mm -hmm. what at what point do you deem it okay to advise people to kind of make that jump from Coinbase into the Binance and start getting busy with some of these altcoins? Um, at what point, you know, when do you feel comfortable giving people that advice to do that? Great, great question. So I recently had two clients do it. They are two of my more it's a couple things one i have i know them great relationship with them they've, they've been with me a long time two they're very liquid three they have they understand technology and they they they're beyond right the 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 comprehension of just okay bitcoin and ether we get it so they wanted to you know what is there anything else you like because they come to you right is there anything else that you like is there anything else that you know and i had mentioned uh, first thing I did was mention the whole 10, the Bitwise whole 10 to them, right? Because yeah. I like what they're doing. I love the team. I love what they're doing. Matt Hogan is phenomenal. He's actually, I've had conversations with him and a couple of the guys over there. They've been really good to me um, and, and, you know, embracing what I was doing as, as an advisor in the space. Okay. So I, I introduced them to them and I said, this is, again, somewhat traditional, right? You got Cardano, you got Monero, you got Zcash, you got Dash, got all it. They're going to rebalance it. They're going to do and that's how I initially exposed them. And I said, well, hey, look, these are the ones out of those that I think, right, Zcash, Monero, that I think 
you know, might be a good idea to start accumulating a small position. Um, and then kind of went to, you know, show them Binance, went through that whole thing, kind of worked it out that way, right? But in the middle of that was there, there was this chasm between, okay, now you're teaching them how to get off of Coinbase and then how to get, how to on-ramp into Binance, right? Right. No, 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 um, I, I hear you. Education for me, yeah. Yeah, what I learned, which is education for me, is getting on Coinbase is great. Getting off is a mother. Right? Oh man, so- the, the, you, the uh, <laughs> man, that's one thing the space needs, man. Other, in, in addition to what you're doing as far as giving people real financial advice, we need better UI. We need 100%. better UX. Um, right. Right. Coinbase is the best, is the easiest platform to use, but it's still hard to use, right? Yep. Particularly when yep. you want to move off of it. Um, yeah, 100%. So we got we got a long way to go. Long way to go and everything. So that was it. So that's basically what I do. But the I would say the majority of my clients are staying in a very small circle of competence, as Warren Buffett would say. Uh, sure. Um, I, I, again, I, I feel like if I need to talk to a stable coin, I can. I keep I get, you know, there are some ICOs that I found interesting or whatever. But again, I'm like, it's still, you know, it's the wild, wild rest, west right now. They're not going anywhere. Once they start becoming compliant and they're right. Yeah, it make, makes sense. But and then as far as some of the some of the other coins, um, you know, once I feel like there's certain clients that are there and if they ask, I don't ever prompt it. I don't pitch anything ever. But if they ask me about it again, I have a fiduciary responsibility to have a conversation with them and say, here's the best, safest way to do it. Right. And then what we didn't talk about with briefly again, which I think why a lot of advisors don't want to do this as well, is you also got to talk to hot and cold storage. You got to talk to, yeah. you know, treasures and ledgers and all these other things. Yeah. Advisors just don't want to do that. Our job is hard enough. Right. right. Um, and it's cool that, you know, uh, like we, we custody our clients assets. They're, they're not their crypto, but their their assets at uh, um, Charles Schwab. So Charles Schwab handles all of that for us. Right. We don't have to worry about that. But now if you're advising clients, you know, I, I don't have the ability to custody on their behalf right now. So now I have to be I have to go all the way through the process with them, whereas it's just simple. If they say, hey, buy me Apple, I do that. It's done. Right. right. So, this one's, this again, one's much harder. Right. This way is much harder. So I get it. The added responsibility, the 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 holding yourself out of all these other things. But again, I felt like it was worth doing because for one, it's a great value add for me and differentiator between me and everyone else that's so I'm thin to it. But more importantly, and financial Twitter, but uh, and more importantly, I think as as a fiduciary and someone who looks out for my client's best interest. And I and I also want to make this very clear and I want people to understand, I don't like my oldest client is probably 50. And those are, and I probably have two of them. And they're, those are the ones who followed me from Merrill. My clients are really young. Okay. They're they're in the accumulation phase of their life, right? Sure. Um, they 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 make very good money. They're very liquid. They're just starting to invest themselves. So they've grown up with this, right? They've grown up with the internet. They've grown up with an iPhone. They've grown up with investment apps. They now they're coming into their now they're coming into their season right 30 to 40 or some right. that are you know 25 to 40 with crypto yeah. so it, it, you can't if you're if you're advising young clients you can't ignore it you, just, right? you have no choice yeah. but to no. you have no yeah. choice but, that, but to have an opinion yeah 100 no no it's cool man that's cool now I, I get it i get it i get it um yeah. cool well you know just to kind of get more social with it you know obviously yeah you know, we two we are two gentlemen of color. 
We both yes. work in finance, which is not a diverse industry. You mm-hmm. are a financial advisor. I don't see too many brothers who are financial advisors. No. <laughs> Obviously, crypto is even less diverse, right? Mm-hmm. And so we could get, and you know, that's for another podcast as to all the reasons and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I assume you probably have a lot of um, people of color that look to you for, for this advice. Why do you, in, in addition to investing, maybe it's paying attention to, maybe it's uh, considering as a career, why do you think it's important for black folks to kind of get into crypto and pay attention right. to this industry? So it's important because 7% of the people in this country are unbanked or underbanked. I grew up in a household where we were underbanked. Right. And and when we did bank, it wasn't banked well because my parents knew nothing about finances. Right. Paying and, us overdraft fees, right, all type of 100%, stuff. Yeah. Money orders to the, you know, I, I, I joke with people like my mother still uses money orders to this day and it annoys me. Right. <laughs> but, you know, but it's so ingrained in them. So what drew me to this again with my experience, the way I grew up with money and seeing how people struggle with money, period, in my everyday life of what I do for a living. But looking at how I struggle financially, I made every financial mistake you can make and the struggles that we went through as a family and then coming from my dad is right from the Caribbean. So sure. he's from Guyana. So if, if anyone who comes, you know, who has family who've come to this country or have family abroad, you're very familiar with Western Union. Oh, we wanted right? to go, yeah, my family's from Haiti, Haiti. So I know that. Guy too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So or, or all of these services to send money back and how expensive it is. So I say all that to say the reason why I think this is important for people of color is this is the first investment in history, in history, where regardless of your age, your educational background, how much money you have, all of these different things that you can participate, you can be a part of it. You don't have to have a stockbroker who goes to the local golf club and they giving each other stock tips and all these other things. You have direct access so long as you have a phone and the internet. And if you can get on Instagram, which we all love to do, you yep. can also learn to do this. That's the first piece. The other reason why I say it is this. The wealth transfer that is going to happen is going to be tsunami-like. And it's already started to happen because the strong hands... Right, it just came out the other day with, with Coinbase and Stanford. Stanford has already with the they have the most classes on blockchain and crypto. That's right. right? So the power is the power and the money and, and and the influence is always concentrated in the hands of a few. But before we couldn't even get people to listen to Wall Street or listen about stocks or listen about any of this stuff. But it's important for folks like myself, like what you're doing here with your podcast, to educate our own to say, hey. If you have cash app, you don't need a broker. You don't need me. You don't yeah. need to go to Bank of America. You don't need to, you don't need to pay those usurious rates. Swipe right and buy $3 a Bitcoin or $5 a Bitcoin, whatever the case may be. Again, not financial advice, but that's how accessible it is. And I, and I was just saying this the other night. If you wanted a quote on a stock 20, 30 years ago, you had to call a broker. Right. That's right. right. You just use Google. It's right in front of yeah. you. So you use your, Google. Or right? use, there's even a native app on your iPhone, right? That right. allows you to look at stuff. I always talk about it. That's the one app that comes preloaded on the iPhone for a reason. I have a friend who manages millions of dollars in San Diego, and I was showing him stock twits and all these fancy stock apps. He's like, I just go to the, the app on my phone. And I'm like, 
if it's good enough for him, it should be good for everybody else. That's right. But now, right, you got coin gamma, right? You have all these yeah. you have all these things where if I'm in crypto, it's all on my phone. It's all here. So the last piece of that is again going back to the iPhone. I can't impress upon it enough. If you have an iPhone, if you're paying all that money to have a computer, an accountant, a financial advisor, all these other things in your pocket, you might as well use it, right? Because being working at a bank and, and again understanding how expensive it's expensive to be poor in this country. Oh, it's a very, it very, is. very expensive to be poor in this country. So if we could just get people to understand the technology, not not the technology, but the capability, right? And that's what I said the other night. If you walk out of this room and you don't understand cryptography or math, I'm okay with that. But what you do need to understand that this opportunity is unprecedented. It is going to, and again, I don't get into the whole blockchain is going to, you know, bring Jesus back, hopium. I don't get into that, <laughs> right? Jesus is coming back on the blockchain. But it, it's, but what I do try and get people to understand is that get to know it because you're starting to see it intercede in everything that you're doing already, right? When you look at what your bank is doing, how they're upgrading the apps, these these peer-to-peer, -peer, you know, Venmo, PayPal, Square, all of these different things, right? You look at what's going on with Revolut and MetalPay and all these, it's changing right before our eyes. It's going to be totally different. So soon, you know, bank branch is closing, right? ATMs are essentially on a lifeline. Yeah. So just to get the folks of color to understand, it, it, you got a GED, that's cool, right? You got, you know, you, at the end of the week, you got $20 and you're just, I've done everything, I've paid everything, my kids are fed, whatever the case may be. Or I'm a PhD and I, I run a hospital or whatever and I have extra capital. You need to understand this because, again, as gentlemen like yourself, me, we are starting to come into our abundance as people of color. I was a, I was a first generation high school graduate, let alone college. That's right. So a lot of us are starting to get degrees. A lot of us are starting to run businesses. A lot of us are starting to push into our abundance. And we are in rooms early. Like we are in me and you are in crypto, quote unquote, early. Right. That's right not early relative to when it started, right? And I, I'm speaking for myself. I don't know when you got in, but... No, 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 no. Uh, similar, similar recently. You're right. Yeah, um, so, so, but relative relative to where it's actually going to be, right? The whole baseball analogy, we're in the bottom of the first. It's a nine-inning game, but I just think they're reading the lineups now. I don't even think the game started. That's true. Because there's so many things that has to happen. So so I just think it's important for people of color to, to look at this as, again, a long-term investment, not I need, you know, I, I want to put hundred dollars in and I need it to be ten thousand dollars because I need to open a salon or I want to open a barbershop. Like, no, you want generational wealth out of this. You want to be a part of something that we were too young to take a part of when the internet was created. Because guess what? All of those folks that got rich on the internet, guess what they're investing in now? Crypto. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. no, I love it. I love I'm it, man. No, 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 no. I asked I asked you to get on the soapbox. So I really, really appreciate that. And I think yeah. the, the people are gonna appreciate your 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 honesty as well as your passion. Um yeah. you know, obviously this is a crypto podcast, you know, um, but you know, uh Tyrone is a very dynamic individual with many interests. Uh, he's an athlete first. Um, he's a sports fan like myself, and so we're gonna we're gonna do a, a slight detour into sports a little bit before we uh, let him go. Um, you know, we both happen to be uh, fans of the New York Giants, and so I put out a tweet um, speaking about their their, late, their latest uh, running uh, their latest rookie pick, um, which is a very talented guy by the name of Saquon Barkley, um, who's awesome. But I I personally thought that we probably should have went after a quarterback given 
the short shelf life of running backs. Tyrone, I think, wanted to uh, you know debate me a little bit on that. So what's what's your opinion? Uh, what, how how do you how do you like the pick? Oh, how do you like the Giants? All right. Okay, so am I Jimmy Song or you Roger Veer? Which one? What are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll go first. So, again, I've, I've been a, a Giants fan since a kid, and uh, we're spoiled, right? We've got we've got to watch them win a lot of Super Bowls, which is nice. A big Lawrence Taylor fan. Yeah. So when this was coming up, I had argued this with everybody, right? So it's funny. I do look bad in a way because they let they cut Davis Webb. But um, what I was saying was. I always believed in the draft, right? And if you, if you, you know, I read a lot, and they always, you know, you talk, you, you read about, you know, probability and uh, Michael Malbison and all these guys talking about this stuff and strategy. And I always feel like when it comes to the draft, the teams and or, or organizations they overthink it because okay. when you I just let's just relate. And I don't do fantasy, but from what I hear about fantasy is when your turn, when your pick comes up, you're picking the best player available, right? Right. right, right. So. And in the real draft, if you look at that and you look at some if you if, if someone comes up being like this is without a doubt, this is probably the best player of any player that is going to get drafted. He's a transcendental talent. I just think you take him. I don't care what the position is. You take him so long as right at the time, if you feel like you have at least two to three more years for Eli. And then people are like, well, what about, you know. You know, if when he's done and then you're going to have this 10-year, no. The quarterbacks come along a dime a dozen. Tom Brady's, no. But you can get, you can find a quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater may be available at some point if you want to get him. There will always be guys who will be well enough, so you know, to, to fill that role if you have a guy like that behind them. Because what is the one thing they always say? Oh, uh, how a running back helps the passing game and how a good running back helps the quarterback. So if you can, you may not get another Eli, but if you can get someone that is serviceable and you have him back there, I just felt like that was a pick. That's a guy that's going to be good for the next, you know, 10 years, hopefully. Um, and I just, I was really strong on you. If we passed on this guy to bet, probably everyone was saying he's, he's, you know, if you look at the highest graded running backs ever, he was right below Adrian Peterson. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how you could pass on a guy uh, like that and, and then pick an unknown with these kids. Like, I don't know. That was that was my. OK, you know, you know what? I actually I actually cannot even um, properly. I can't I can't disagree with the argument. Picking the best person that's available, picking the the sure the sure bet, um, so mm -hmm. to speak. I think I was more I guess the way I look at it is more from the perspective. Of, yes, he, he could kill it and he's going to be awesome. But even if you look at like an Adrian Peterson and all these other great running backs at 28, it's pretty much a wrap for them, right? So for you, for the, for at best, you probably have like a good six, seven years, six years yeah. yeah. And then if you if the first half of it is with a you know a old Eli with no running with no O line and all kind of stuff, you kind of True. waste it, right? <laughs> Whereas you know if you get somebody that could be like an Eli, you know you could get at least a twelve to fifteen years from him. But that being said, that's a huge risk. A lot of a lot of quarterbacks flame out. Whereas this Barkley one is pretty much a sure bet. So I, right. I I do like that argument, I, and I have to kind of co-sign that. Um, yeah. And I, I'll, I'll I'll take I'll take that I'll take I'll, I'll take that. Um, awesome. Well, you know, listen, you're you're a very busy individual. The markets yeah. are still open, right? So I got you mm -hmm. know we have to let you we have to let you go and and, and go and do do what you you get paid to do. Yeah, um, absolutely. We do. I appreciate you coming on this podcast and 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 lending your wisdom. Um, if people want to follow you, get in touch with you, uh, learn about your services. Where should they go? 
Absolutely. So um, I spend uh, the majority of my time. You get a lot of my thoughts and impressions on Twitter at TR401. OK. Um, you can also follow me. I, I post some things on LinkedIn as well. I'm fairly active on LinkedIn. If you put in Tyrone Ross Jr. there, um, my whole profile comes up on my profile. You have my personal email, my cell phone, my Twitter page. Everything is on there. So I usually direct people to, um, you know, my LinkedIn as well. Okay. Um, and then, you know, if you can follow me on Instagram as well, my, my Instagram is Tyrun, T Y R U N 401. I post a lot of the books I read there. I post some crypto stuff there sometimes. Sure, sure. Um, and then, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, to be entrepreneurial like you and start a YouTube page and all that stuff soon. So right. that's to come. Um, sure. because all of it, all of a sudden people are like, they want to hear what I'm thinking. So I'm like, man, you got to give the people what they want. But, of course, um, of course. but the best, the best two places right now are, are Twitter TR 401. And then I said, just put in my name, Tyrone Ross jr. You'll see the firm come up noble bridge wealth partners. Um, and then if you go on my profile, everything is there. My cell, my, my email, my work email, everything, everything is there. And you can reach out. I'm more than willing to help folks to have a conversation with them. Um, if I could help at all, please, please reach out and, um, you know, look forward to, to engaging with the people, man. Thank you for this. It, it was really, 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 really fun. No, you're welcome. Thank you. And it's a wrap for this episode of Coin Gamma Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Please share it out with members of your network friends family associates and most importantly please leave a review on your podcast listening platform whether it's itunes soundcloud google play spotify you name it that really helps the podcast out it helps us get more exposure and share our content with more people and don't forget we're available to help you out with your blockchain related projects just reach out coingamma.com until next time Thank you.